0: Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. What a week. First of all, this week's episode of Teen Mom 2 was terrible. Like, (laughs) it was so bad. I'm going to do a Teen Mom Q&A in this episode after I do a short recap because, like, nothing happened. Um... Besides that, I'm, like, not having the best week. I don't know. It's fine. I, I, I've talked about this before. I'm on Wellbutrin to help with my ADD, but it also helps with, like, my depression, and it was so good for, like, six to seven months, and now it's just not working as well with the focus. It's really, like, mood-wise, I feel like I'm in the best place I've, like, ever been in my life. Like, it really, depression-wise, it, like, really is great and i don't want to go off of it or try different medicine because it's working so well for one thing but it's not my focus aspect of it is not going as well so i'm on 300 milligrams of wellbutrin basically there's like three doses of wellbutrin 150 300 and 450. there are variants of that but that's kind of like the standard and the doctor was like well you can go up to 450 the only thing is like not everybody really benefits from 450, and I, like, read online a lot of people have a hard time with 450 milligrams. And so he suggested that instead of taking one 300 milligram, like, extended-release pill, I would take three 100 milligram instant-release wellbutrin throughout the day, which I think has been helping, but it's fucking hard to switch medication around like that. It's it, – I've had ter- – I haven't slept well all week Um, I, like, my body, uh, it just feels weird on Sunday. Last Sunday, I was supposed to record for Patreon. I had to, like, reschedule the recording because I just felt so awful. Um, one thing that's been helping, I have been taking CBD. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I got into CBD, like, last year. I started drinking this drink called Recess, which is a CBD drink. And then in the last, like, month or two, I've, um, ordered some gummies and some, what's it called like the tinker tinker how do you say that tinker i don't know how you say that but like the oil and the oil is really nice because it doesn't make me feel anything in my head at all but it's really been helping um with like my body um figuring out the med dosing times because there's not like a science for when you take these if you wait too long if you're really awful but you can't take them too close together so yeah it's a mess (laughs) That's been really hard. And then my grandma died on Thursday. (laughs) You all know that my grandma and I are um, not close. We were not close. She, I had a very complicated relationship with her. And I mean, she was a very important figure in my life. Like uh, she was a looming figure in my life. I lived with her in the summers for many years. Like you guys all know, I grew up going down to the shore all summers and my mom didn't like going to the shore at all because <laughs> we shared one big house. It wasn't, like, relaxing for her to be there. And we had, like, a really nice neighborhood pool. And she's like, I'd rather just, like, go to the pool. I don't want to go to the beach. So my mom didn't really come down that often. And my dad only came down on weekends. So my grandma watched us all summer for many, many, many years of my life. Uh, I lived with my grandma full time in the summers. And she's just wasn't the nicest woman. <laughs> Uh, to the girls so she liked the boys she just like wasn't that nice to the girls and you know she wasn't that nice to my mom and it just so we've had like a really complicated relationship there's a big family drama a few years ago in which I disagreed with her decision so we had not really spoken I saw her last year at the beginning of the year we did like a birthday party for her where it kind of like the whole well (laughs) The whole family that we talked to when uh, there's a member of the family that's not invited to things like that. And that was fine. But besides that, I've probably only spoken to her like two times maybe in the last like four years. She made her choices and I just couldn't deal with it. And like instead of doing this thing, which my family does, which is like everybody gets it. it my dad's side of the family is very waspy and everybody just like pretends like nothing is going on. And I won't do that. You know, my cousins and I talk about this a lot, like how we are not going to like take on this cycle of pretending like everything is fine in our family because that's what the adults did. And like our version of breaking the dysfunctional cycle is like not just pretending like everything is okay. And so I really hadn't talked to my grandma in quite a while. I don't regret it at all. I knew like I really had made peace with this. People were like, well, what if she dies? Will you regret it? And I was like, no, I I don't think I will. And I, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't cried. Um, I feel sad for my dad. My dad is sad. Y- you know, she was complicated, but she was his mother. Uh, the thing is, she lived an extremely long life. She was like 92 or 90, I think turning 93 this summer. So she was old. Um, she had gone blind in her, I guess she must have been, I mean it started 20ish years ago I guess now at this point. Oh my god, I'm so old. But she started going blind first at night and then she went completely blind when she was like 70. Maybe 75 is when she went completely blind. And it was a really hard road for her to go. She was uh, an avid needle pointer. She's actually fucking incredible at needlepoint. She owned a needlepoint store at one point like she I can't trust enough like how amazing she was at Needlepoint, which was really awesome as a kid. I have like a beautiful homemade stocking from her. I had like all of this furniture that like I would have like little chairs that had like my name on the cushion. Got a lot of Needlepoint stuff. And she was also just like very physically active. She was an avid tennis player. She would ride her bike in the summers to the grocery store that was like two and a half miles away and ride back instead of driving her car. And I think going blind, like, really just um, made an already tough life for her tougher. But I have come to a point where, you know, I kind of, um, I interviewed her once for a class. Like, I did this long interview with her, which was actually really good. It gave me a lot of insight into her life. And, you know, I think she did the best that she could with her life. She had a hard life. And uh, she grew up very poor and then married very rich, but that very rich man was a fall-down alcoholic. Oh, So, you know, uh, she took her jabs all of the time and yeah, it's complicated. So she had gotten sick with COVID in December, actually, like the day before Christmas, we thought she was going to die. And then she didn't. Um, She, but then she like never really recovered from it. You know, she... Would have good days and bad days and so finally the like the nursing home that she's been at for a very long time uh suggested that she, like she go into hospice and she died like four days on hospice which in my opinion is the way to go my dad was like I thought we'd have three to six more months I'm like did you you've like wanted her to live for three to six more months like that and he's like well no but you know he's I I think it's just one of those things where you like can't ever really prepare yourself for it even though it's like It was very obvious that she was going to pass. And here's the thing. Like, she was so ready to go. She's been ready to go for years. My mom saw her, um, I guess, like, two years ago. My brother was in town. My mom went with my brother and my sister-in-law, my nephew, to go see her. And she told my mom then that she was, like, ready to go. She was a woman of faith. She was, like, active in her Presbyterian church. And I think she really believed in, like, heaven and going to heaven. And so... Like I, you know, she was the last one left. Like nobody was else was really alive, and she had uh, created a lot of family drama. So a lot of people in her family were not that close to her anymore uh, by her own decisions and actions. That you know, she made active choices, and yeah. So she is gone. So it's just been like weird. I've been not really talking about it. I haven't posted it anywhere on like on Twitter, but I don't consider Twitter social media. (laughs) Like, nobody I really know in real life follows me on Twitter, and so I use Twitter as, like, a total outlet. It's why it's my favorite app, because it doesn't feel like regular social media. I don't feel like, I don't really feel like I'm performing on any social media, but I like that it's an access to just, like, my, just my internet friends, essentially. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody in real life who knows my Twitter account, but people just, like, don't, I think people just don't search it out. So, um I didn't put, I haven't and I don't think I'm going to post about her dying on social media because like it's really I don't it, I don't know how to like do the grief dance with people it's uncomfortable for me um I, the thing is it's like we do this thing in the United well like in American culture I guess when somebody dies and it's like we, like, have to perform grief correctly and it's, like, a weird position to be in. And I keep being, like, oh, well, you know, like, because I left work early on Thursday and I, like, neither of my bosses are there. I texted them and I was, like, I, the text is so weird. I was, like, my grandma died. I'm going to be with my dad. But it's okay. Like, she was old. She lived a long life. <laughs> like, I feel like I have to keep being, like, it's fine. She lived an, a long life. You know, she was ready to go. She died peacefully because I don't want people to, like, go hard into the like, how are you? I'm so sorry. Are you okay? It's just weird. It's weird because it's like nobody wants to hear like, yeah, I'm actually okay with it because my grandma was a bitch. She used to call me fat. Like no, nobody wants to hear that, you know? like That's not something that they want to hear. Um, So it's just been weird. My dad wrote a really nice, I guess it's going to be her obituary. He posted it on Facebook, but I'm assuming it's going to be her obituary as well wrote a really nice obituary for her but i thought was really lovely um we're gonna do a memorial service this summer probably at the yacht club uh and i think we should spread her ashes over the bay i think she would like that or i actually think she'd probably rather them be in the ocean but i think she'd want the funeral to be at the club I guess she, like, never said what she wanted for her funeral. So, yeah, we're going to do a memorial service. And, yeah, that's really that's really all that there is. But it's, like, a weird week, you know? It's, like, it's weird even though we haven't been talking for the last couple years. It's, like, she's always just been such a um, looming figure in my life, if you will. (laughs) I don't really know how to describe it any other way. So it's just weird that she's not here anymore. So, yeah, that's it. Those are my thoughts on grief. Um, Please... I was gonna be like, please don't come on Instagram and say you're sorry for my loss. Like, you really don't need to do that. Um, but that's really it. Oh, and if you want to subscribe to my Patreon, <laughs> I realize I didn't start with that. Um, last week I actually did see. Yeah, I did Seeking Sister Act season three. Uh, this week I'm doing Intervention. I know I said I was doing last week, but I had to reschedule. So I did Seeking Sister of season three, which is a fucking crazy show. Um, it is. Wild. I watched like eight episodes in three days. I'm going to go back and watch the rest of it. It is a a wild, wild, wild show. And then this week I'm going to talk about season one of Intervention from the new, or excuse me, episode one of the newest season, which is taking place in Las Vegas. And The Guest, we did an Intervention episode last summer that I think is probably one of my best Patreon episodes. We did it on the, like the Philly season of Intervention. If you don't know, Intervention did an, an entire series or, like, season based in Philly, and they followed, like, five or six people throughout multiple episodes, and I thought it was just incredibly well done. I loved the setup of it. I, I mean, I thought it did a great job showing the opioid epidemic in Philly. I just, it was really, really great, and the guest I had on, her name is also Liz, was just, like, so great, and she has, um, like, a family history of addiction, and then obviously my personal experience with it. I just think it was like a really, really good episode. So if you're not a patron, I would suggest signing up and then you can go back. I think it was like August. You can go back and listen to that episode. There are over a hundred episodes on Patreon. (laughs) It took two years to get a hundred episodes on Feathers My Hair. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's it for what I wanted to talk about before we get started. I, like, can't get over how bad Teen Mom was this episode. And, guys, it doesn't bode well for this season. I – Kale doesn't seem to have a lot of drama. I don't think we're seeing any of Kale's real drama. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Kale has drama, (laughs) like, around the time they're filming because it's, like, the dead of winter is snowing in her scene. She had been charged with assault and, like, got her charges dropped, but, like, we're not hearing about that on television – I don't think we're seeing any of Kale's, like, real drama. Um, Leah is now an after-school special. It is the most inorganic thing that's ever existed. I <laughs> I cannot figure out what the fuck they're doing with Leah's segments. Jade, I need Sean to pop off more. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to need Sean to act up a little more. Ashley and Barr, I'm hoping Shen pops in for a visit because, like, I... You know, like, Ashley and Barr are fine when they're getting along. They're not that exciting when they're getting along. (laughs) They're just not that exciting. And then who else is on this show? I think that, is that everybody on this show? Brie. Brie's are like, (sighs) Brie's is just the same thing. You know what I mean? Teen Mom is really on its death rattle. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but I actually think OG is now a better show than Teen Mom too. I think Teen Mom 2 is like, they should cancel it. Fully. Like, I, I really think it's, they would be fine with canceling Teen Mom 2. I, I truly can't believe I'm saying that. Although with the Edwards gone on OG, maybe I don't actually feel this way. I think the reason I'm like, wow, the season was good was 50% the Edwards and then 50% Amber. And I'm kind of curious if Amber is going to um, allow herself to be filmed the way that she was this season. I won't be surprised if Amber is like, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about this. Like, I think that she's probably going to get or try to get a little stricter on the things that she talks about because she had such a bad season. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, give us Teen Mom Young and Pregnant, right? Like, <laughs> I I really do think, though, Teen Mom 2 is on its death rattle. Like, there's just nothing in these women's lives that they want to talk about, which sucks. It sucks. I can't believe that I'm saying it, but that really is where, really is where it is. So I guess we're go- So what I'm going to do is I'm going to like do a quick recap. I'm going to go through what happened in each mom segment. And then I'm going to do, like, I'm going to talk about the question, the questions that I got and discuss, why am I explaining how to do a Q&A? I'm like, "Hey guys, you know what a QA and a is or an ask me anything?" <laughs> All right, let's start with Ashley who it picks up with them getting engaged. She's crying, she calls her mom, her mom is happy for her. They're so happy, everybody's so happy. I'm once again I'm like, "Okay, like the Ashley does not need to marry Bar. I really need Ashley not to marry Bar. Like I I need that to not happen." I Also where did Barr get the money for that ring? <laughs> Barr doesn't have a job, and I don't know. I don't think they're making that much on Teen Mom yet. I don't know. Maybe they are. Does he do it? And He might do, like, Instagram ads, honestly. Because I was wondering with Sean, too. Like, why is Sean so broke? Like, they're on season... They're on their third season of Teen Mom 2, right? Or... This is only their second season of Team Mom 2, but they did a couple of seasons of Young and Pregnant beforehand. So you would think now that Jade and Sean are making decent money, like enough that Sean can get an apartment that's not an extended stay motel. I guess we'll get there when we get there. So maybe that's where Bar got the money. That ring is probably fake, would be my guess, which, like, fine. Who truly gives a fuck? Like, diamonds are such a scam. They're bad for humanity like we all watch blood diamond remember blood diamond and then everybody was talking about if things were blood diamonds (laughs) i don't mean to laugh but like eh, i would be surprised if that ring was totally real i guess like maybe there's one real diamond in it and then the rest of it are fake it's also i don't love the design it's pretty dated it's that um it's not bad like it's objectively fine like i don't think there's anything bad about her ring it, like, it's cute. It's nice. But in my opinion, it looks very um, like mid 2000s to the mid teens that like that square diamond thing that everybody did. Now I'm much more into because I'm a bitch for trends. Like <laughs> I love trends. I'm easily influenced by them. It's why I love to shop. <laughs> but I like a ring that's more like I mean, I guess Chelsea's ring is kind of like this, although I don't love, love, love hers. Weirdly enough, I think Janelle's is really nice, the one that she got from David. I like a solitary ring a lot. Um, But I also like non-traditional engagement rings and vintage engagement rings. I really like Art Deco style rings. If I was to get engaged, I would probably want to get, well, I mean, like, I would probably get a non-traditional, like, like a non-diamond stone would be my guess. I don't know. Who knows what I would get? I like, I like jewelry, but I I can't see myself like really, I don't know how much I would want like a diamond engagement ring exactly, but Ashley's is fine. It just looks a little dated. Um, so after their trip, they go back to T's house and she is showing T and Holly her ring. They're talking about the wedding. There's a really cute scene of, (laughs) of Ashley showing Holly her ring and She goes, isn't this so nice? Daddy got it for her, got it for me. And then Holly goes, daddy, thank you for getting mommy a nice ring. (laughs) That little girl. (laughs) Oh my gosh, she is so fucking cute and well-spoken. And then they talk about the wedding. And the big decision is, are they going to have a big wedding or are they not? T, first of all, T is like, you guys need to go get married right away. Like, what are we waiting for? And I'm like, really? Because then they remind us that it was just last year that they were having, like, blowout fights. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know why in my head I was thinking it was, like, two years ago that they were really rocky. And then for over a year they've been, like, extremely solid. But now I'm realizing it's probably only been, like, eight to nine months that they're, like, super solid. Ashley, do not marry this man. Like, just stay, just stay engaged him. Somebody left a funny comment on my Instagram last week that was like, Ashley, don't marry him. Just keep getting engaged over and over again. Like, it, <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> Ashley, just keep getting engaged over and over again. Do five engagements with Barr. We're on two. Do yourself three more. You don't need to get married to him. Um, so Ashley basically is saying like, I don't want a big wedding because of the drama between our families. And I think that Ashley is right, honestly. I think that the last thing that they need, I think if things are going well, right? Like, I think if things are going well, then they shouldn't, like, put their hopes and dreams on this wedding that, like, will be bad and get disrupted. Like, it's not ever going to work. The way that they wanted to by the way where's chris ashley's sister have we seen chris at all this season i don't think we have i mean on one of the most iconic moments in all of teen mom franchise history is when somebody throws that chair at the <laughs> bar's birthday party and chris catches it <laughs> so funny but that's an example of why they shouldn't have this wedding i don't know i think that you know that stupid definition of like And Sandy is trying the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. Like, that to me would be what's happening if Ashley and Barr decide to have a big wedding where they invite both sides of the family. It's just probably not going to work. And the thing is, it's like, it could work. But why would you want to, like, spend the money and the effort on planning a wedding that, like, very possibly could lead to, like, major drama and disruption? Like, that will be... Awful for your marriage. Like, that will not be good. It will, well, not your marriage, whatever. But, like, that will be, it's just such a waste. And I feel like the chances are too high to risk it, if you will. They're too high to risk it. I think that sucks and it's not really fair, right? But I think that when you are choosing to marry someone who has such a disruptive family that you have such a volatile relationship with them, like, Unfortunately, that's the trade-off you're making. Like, if you want to have a big, beautiful wedding where both sides of the family are there and it's, like, uh, storybook perfect, like, you're going to have to get another husband because it's not going to come from the bar. And what they should do is they should have, like, a nice elopement, but, like, not just the two of them. Like, Ashley's family and then, like, a select few people from bar side should go, like, take a vacation somewhere and get married there. Like, do some sort of destination thing. I just... I can't imagine, like, why they would risk that. And, and Ashley and Barbara were wearing matching Coach sweatshirts. <laughs> Did anybody else notice that? I guess Coach is coming back. I've been seeing some stuff about Coach coming back, and I've actually been getting targeted ads for Coach bags that are really nice. I've actually always quite liked Coach for leather goods. Um, You know, they had a really hard time after the the double C logo, like, went out of style and I think people had really written Coach off, but I think Coach has always made nice leather stuff and it seems like they're really focusing again on leather goods and they look nice. One of their bags was like really popular on TikTok with Gen Z, so I don't know if like Coach is really coming back. I don't know if that was a real Coach sweater. They weren't even sweaters, they were like hoodies. (laughs) Wearing matching hoodies, they just looked so silly, especially the double C Coach matching hoodies. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, let's take a quick break and then talk about somebody else. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited about today's sponsor, Feathers in My Hair, because you all know that I love my bed. I famously record the podcast in the bed, and guess what? I'm recording this ad from my bed. When Helix reached out and asked if they could send me a mattress to try out, I was like, yeah, of course, definitely. You know, as I'm getting older and I have my little back issues, my old bed It was fine, but it was really starting to hurt my back when I woke up in the morning because it was so soft. I hopped on the Yelix site and took their two-minute sleep quiz, which I appreciated because I'm a side sleeper. I also need a firm mattress, but here's the thing. I don't want it to just be firm. I also want it to feel very soft. So I want the support of a firm mattress, but I also want to sink into my bed like it's quite soft. The quiz took all of these things into account, and thanks to the sleep quiz, you know that you're getting the best possible mattress for you. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have an option for a cooling mattress if you're a hot sleeper, which I absolutely am. Helix cares about everyone getting the mattress that works best for them and has options for all body types, including plus size. I took the Helix quiz and it recommended me the Midnight Luxe. It's a perfect combination of soft, but still a lot of support for my back. So if you're looking for a mattress, check out Helix and take the quiz and see what they recommend for you. It comes shipped right to your door. Just go to helixsleep.com slash feathers, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that works just for you. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 days risk-free. They'll even pick it up for free if you don't love it. But trust me, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash feathers. That's helixsleep.com slash F-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. Okay, so Leah, literally nothing happens except we find out that Leah doesn't have health insurance, which she went online and posted that being from a small town, she didn't really know anything, not just a small town, but like being from a low socioeconomic town, she didn't really know anything about health insurance Okay, here's the thing. One, she was like, you know, and your parents' health insurance until you're 26. Does Leah's mom have health insurance that Leah stayed on until she was 26? That doesn't really seem accurate to me. (laughs) I'm assuming when she married Jeremy when she was, what, 18? Wasn't she 18 or 19 when she got married to, excuse me, Corey, that she had his benefits. And then shortly after that, she married Jeremy and she had his benefits, When I find it hard to believe that Leah as a child wasn't on state Medicaid, like just according to what we read in her book, her mom worked um, like low minimum wage jobs. Low minimum wage isn't what I'm trying to say, but her mom worked jobs that I'm assuming did not have benefits. She waitressed a lot. She would do custodial work. Um, I don't think she well, I guess maybe if she was doing custodial work and was in a union, she would have had benefits, or worked at, like, a hospital. But it didn't seem like Leah had health insurance as a child just based on what she shared in her book. So when she started talking about parents in the age of 26, I'm like, is this relevant to you? And then she said that she could, so then she says she gets insurance, but she couldn't have the tumor covered because it's a pre-existing condition. I... I don't I don't get it. I don't understand anything about health insurance. I don't really understand why a pre-existing condition would matter. I thought that was the point of the ACA. But whatever, I think I think Leah is um making an excuse for her irresponsible decision not to have health insurance by saying that she didn't know she could have health insurance and that it was like that she didn't know that it was possible for people to get health insurance if it wasn't from their parents or their spouse, I think is what she says. Hold on. She must have posted it on our story. So it's not on our grid. But basically being like, yeah, I just, I really didn't understand that, uh, like, a private single person could have health care. Which to me seems impossible because I would assume, one would assume, I don't believe it's impossible for a person to think that, right? Like, especially if you come from a place where, Not a lot of people have health insurance, and if they do have health insurance, it's not from the private market. I get that. That, that I'm not saying doesn't exist. For Leah, though, one would think that she's had an accountant (laughs) for the last, I don't know, how long has this show been on? Since 2008. For the last, like, 13 years that this show has been on, one would think that she had an accountant. Now, maybe she didn't have an accountant, and that's why at one point she owed a bunch of back taxes. But I'm not really sure how she could possibly be a 1099 worker and not have an accountant. Like a 1099 worker of her scale. There has to be some sort of CPA or financial advisor involved. Uh, There has to be. And up until, what, 2017 or 2018, like you had to have health insurance or like through the mandate. Or you got dinged and you had to pay like an extra fine for it on your tax return. So I don't. Like, to me, it seems impossible that no financial person that does her taxes was like, hey, like, do you have health insurance? And when she was like, no, like, I don't think I can get it. They would be like, you can just like check out the marketplace. I also think that it's, I don't know. Leah, when it's convenient, does this like I'm a small town gal thing, which she is a small town gal. I'll give her that, right? I'll give her that. But She's also quite rich and quite well-traveled and works for, uh, you know, like a media conglomerate. (laughs) Like, she's not just your average small-town gal, and I just find it hard to believe that health insurance has never been mentioned by any of her co-stars. Like, her and Kale have never had a conversation about it, or by anybody at MTV, or by any financial official. I don't really buy it, but whatever. What I think happened is that... It was expensive for her to get health insurance. She doesn't get sick. She doesn't really go to the doctor. So she just didn't have health insurance because it made more sense to pay out of pocket, which is like kind of what she says on the show. She's like, well, I just thought it made more sense to like pay up front, which I don't think is like necessarily untrue for her would be my guess. Like I have a high deductible insurance. Like I think I've talked about this. It's (laughs) $6,500. Like I owe the first $6,500 out of pocket. Um... And that, there are still premiums and shit on that. I mean, I my boss, my work pays for the premiums and also gives me money in my HSA. But, like, I I would not be surprised if she figured out that it's cheaper for her to just pay for when she goes to urgent care, because she probably just goes to urgent care when she's sick, to pay for an urgent care appointment than to pay for insurance every month for her, because the girls are covered by their dads. That's not unreasonable. And like I said, she like kind of said it on the show. But then I think she felt stupid about that. So she like posts that I'm actually from a small town. I don't know anything about anything. And like, so I just didn't know that you could get health insurance as a single adult. That like, that's kind of my bet for what actually happened, because I actually don't necessarily think I mean, obviously, of course, Leah should have health insurance. But I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world for a healthy person in their 20s, I mean, if she's 30, she's just turning 30, to not have health insurance if the only plans they have available have super high deductibles anyway and cost a ton of money a month anyway, because that really is a case for a lot of people, right, where it is, it does make more financial sense to just not have insurance. I think that's probably what happened. And I'm, I I think she feels stupid about it, which she shouldn't. Like, she shouldn't feel stupid about that. That's the fucking healthcare system in America. So the backtrack's kind of stupid. And, like, her makeup looked so bad. Did everybody notice, like, how bad her makeup looked in that scene with Victoria? She is doing these super thick eyebrows, which I normally like, but are just the weirdest shape. She's doing this harsh, harsh blush, which I guess is, like, coming in style a little bit, but... I really don't like the super red, harsh blush. Her lipstick looked crazy. Like, she looked crazy. They were in a fucking park. And she's wearing, like, jeans and a t-shirt. It just, her face looked wild. Um, She also, at the end, is like, Girls, mommy got health insurance! Like, I don't know. It feels very PSA. There's nothing natural about her scenes this season. I've had... I saw in like the question and answer thing, a bunch of people had commented on that and I totally agree. Her segments read like a after school special or like she's getting, she's using her platform to educate, but like I'm not so sure I care that much about teen moms using their platform to educate, especially in a way that's so unnatural. Like I think that there is a way to do that in a way that makes a ton of sense Um, But I don't think the way to do that is to just have Leah like meeting up with Oreo in the park and like explaining what health insurance is to Oreo. (laughs) That's silly is how I feel. I feel like Leah's segments are very silly. Also, did everybody catch at the very beginning of this segment, Corey says, Gracie, you like coming to therapy with me and Allie? Like, do you just come along for the food? And I'm pretty sure what he meant was physical therapy. I had somebody ask me that, too. They were like, did Corey say he's taking the girls to therapy? I don't know why they, like, didn't fully explain that. One would think that they would explain that little scene. I'm pretty sure what was happening is Corey was driving Allie to physical therapy. And, like, wherever the physical therapist is, it's by, like, some fast food place that they like to go to. I'm assuming that's what happened. It's physical therapy. It's not, um, like, type type surgery. Talk therapy. Guys, I'm sorry. My meds, I just, like, took my third dose, but I I don't know. I'm all wacky. I'm really, it's, <laughs> I'm hoping by next week I'll feel fully adjusted because I just am feeling quite, quite wacky is the only way to describe it. So, yeah, Leah doesn't have health insurance, but now she has it, but she's going to have to totally pay out of pocket for everything tumor-related, which, like I said I don't get it, but I also like truly do not understand health insurance at all. And I probably never will because I just don't have the brain for it. All right, let's talk about Brie, who, you know, she's supposed to meet up with Lewis this episode. They take Nova, not Nova, they take, yeah, Nova and Stella. They take Nova and Stella to this like bouncy place where Lewis is supposed to meet up with them, and Lewis doesn't show up because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Then he texts Brie after the fact and is like, oh, I overslept, but now I have a local job, so I want to have a regular visitation schedule with Stella. Imagine the nerve of not seeing your kid for months and months, over a year, I question mark, a long time, not seeing your kid for a long fucking time, probably is over a year at that point, because I think, at least as far as we know, the last time he came around was like, winter 2020, and then I'm assuming, well, I mean, Brie didn't really take the pandemic that seriously. But I would guess that he probably hasn't seen Stella in, like, a year at that point. And even that was the first time he had seen her in how long. He's seen Stella, like, 11 times in her entire life, which is, it's just sick. It's really, Louis sucks. He really sucks. And we find out that he's no longer helping with daycare, which he was for a while. And Roxanne makes a great point that she's like, I feel like when Lewis is financially stable, he kind of, like, stays away. And then he comes around when he's, like, tight with money. And I think that's a really good point is, like, when he is sending money to her, he's like, well, whatever, I'm sending her money. And then when he doesn't have any money, he's like, well, I want to see her. I want to do this. I want to do that. To kind of justify the fact that he's not sending her money. Lewis is a fucking bum. He is a true bum. Um, There is a cute little scene of Stella talking about her... (laughs) asking about granddaddies or like granddads and then says her granddad is bald but she's talking about lewis <laughs> they were at that jumpy place for over two hours and lewis just never showed up it's so fucked up so 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 fucked up all right in kale segment um literally the only thing that happens is that we find out the boys are good they're in hybrid school at this point and they're gonna have to switch it back to all virtual school because there was a COVID breakout that that's it That's all that happened. Also, I did realize, though, that Kale's friend, Natalie, and her son, a.k.a. the nanny and her son, were there. So I'm wondering if I seem to remember that that Dover house had a nice finished basement, like somewhere in the recess of my brain. That house had, like, a decent finished basement, so I wonder if there's a bedroom down there. I know in the Middletown house, it was, like, a whole, like, in-law suite in the basement, so I wonder if that's the situation. I would guess that house is a four-bedroom house, right? And we know that Lux and Lincoln are sharing a bedroom, and I would imagine Isaac is on his own. I wonder if Creed sleeps in with Kale, and then the nanny and the son have one of those bedrooms, I mean, it's a tight squeeze, but I mean, at this point, my understanding is basically that like Natalie is her co-parent, you know, it, it is a lot to have four kids. And even without having four kids, even if two of the kids are gone half the time, it's a lot to have two little kids under the age of three by yourself. Well, how old is Lux? He's like turning four, I think he was born in 2000. Yeah, he's turning four, I think very soon. I seem to remember his birthday is towards the beginning of summer. So he... And then Creed's birthday is like also around July, right? Wasn't that in the summer as well? But I like I don't I don't really care that Kale is a live in nanny. I see a lot of people criticize her for it, but like I to me that's like such a non-care. I'm just curious about the living arrangements. And I wonder like how much she pays Natalie versus allowing Natalie to live in. I'm very curious about Kale's finances always. <laughs> and just like how tight of a squeeze it is because I mean, when all the boys are there, that's four kids, Kale, another adult, Natalie, and then the teen son is, I think, like, 16 or 17. He looked like a, a, a full-blown teen, not young. So that's a lot of people in one house. And that house is fine, but it's not that big. It's not the same size as the Middletown house. So I'm curious about that. I don't really understand why it doesn't get addressed on the show, that, like, these two other non-family members, like, full-time live with Kalen. to me, that seems like a significant thing to comment on. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why they're not, like, she just gets a Chiron that's, like, Natalie, um, Kale's friend, and then the son, like, de- he's, at one point, he's, like, sitting doing homework with Isaac, and he doesn't get a Chiron at all, and you're like, who's that teen boy? <laughs> I don't know why they just don't do a throwaway of like, this is my nanny and this is his son and they live with us and I am so grateful for them and they're like family to me. That would answer all the questions. The stupid show. Okay, um, who is left? I guess we'll talk about Jade. Jade is the only one left, right? Wow, what an episode, guys. This is, Jade is, Whew. Jade is unlikable. Jade is quite unlikable. Every decision she makes is baffling to me. I, the way that she lives in chaos, which I understand why she lives that way because of her parents, right? Like I, I get it. Her childhood, I get it. I, I get it in like intellectually, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But as far as watching it, oh, Jade and Kayla are so similar in so many ways and that I feel like Jade... All she does is make her life more difficult. It's all she does. This episode, she decides she's going to move. So she just like move like she signs a new lease. And within a day, she's like, OK, I'm going to move. And like has everybody come over. She rents a truck gets some boxes and everybody comes over and doesn't have a lick of anything packed. It's like, I've been rewatching some Parks and Recreation and it's like in season two when Tom is moving out of his house and he has everybody come over and he hasn't packed anything at all. Like, that's what this looked like. Her home was not packed. I can't like that's your fault jade there are a lot of things that happen in jade's life that are not necessarily her fault even if she contributes to the chaos right like it's not her fault that her parents are drug addicts but it is her fault that she allows them to play such an integral integral role in their life knowing that they are drug addicts that are unreliable i will i just don't get it why she makes these decisions over and over again the fact that you would like Have people come over to help you move when you haven't even started packing is just so mind-blowing to me. The way they treated Chloe during this just made me so uncomfortable. They're always so mad at Chloe for being a toddler, is how I feel. They're always so annoyed with her and like, look, I get it, like, toddlers are fucking annoying. Like, they are annoying, but why wouldn't you get a babysitter for Chloe when you know Chloe is very active and loud and runs around and she can't just sit still? Like, why wouldn't you get a babysitter for her? Like, go send her over to your cousin's house. You haven't seen her cousin in forever, by the way. Remember her cousin was always around in her first couple seasons? But like, send her to your cousin's house for the weekend and move that weekend. Or it looked like she had an in-home daycare provider. Like, the daycare provider was... Doing it out of her home. I bet that daycare provider has extended hours. Like, figure something out. You don't have a traditional job. So, move out like a normal day when you could just, like, a weekday when you can send Chloe to daycare. Like, Jade just makes everything in her life so much harder. Jade, spend a couple weeks. Honestly, you don't even need a couple weeks. Spend a couple days packing up everything, send Chloe to the babysitter, and then move that shit. Have three or four people come over. It's going to take all day. It's going to be annoying and hard, but you can do it. I just, I can't fathom like why she makes the decisions that she makes over and over again. And then she gets so mad at the facts of her life. She gets mad that her toddler is acting like a toddler. She gets mad that her parents are unreliable. She gets mad that Sean is lazy. But those are all things that you know. Like, the, those are all things that are truths. And then you're mad about them. Uh, it just, I, I wish Jade could understand that her life doesn't have to be nearly as hard as she makes it. I think that, oh, she likes her life to be that hard, if that makes sense. I think it's all that she knows and she feels like this is the way it has to be, but it it really doesn't. Okay, um, let's answer some questions now. That's really it for this week's episode of Teen Mom 2. It was that bad. I'm like, did I cover everyone? I feel like there's no way I possibly covered everyone, but I covered everyone. I took Two and a half pages of notes. I usually like to have four full pages of notes for these episodes. If I get under four pages, it's like, uh oh. And I would like under three pages on this. Like, that's tough. Okay. First question says If you had a baby at 16, would you or your parents, like Macy's parents, have had any interest in signing up for the show? Which mom do you think you would be the most like now if you were in their position, money, fame, and motherhood as a teen? That's a great question. Um, No. If I got pregnant at 16, I, first of all, I wouldn't have had a baby at 16. That's just the fact. I'm from a very liberal home. We talked a lot about birth control and abortion. Like, we talked not just about, like, don't get pregnant, but we talked about abortion and supporting Planned Parenthood. And, like, I was always very aware that, like, if I got pregnant, I could get an abortion. And that, like, having a baby was not something that was going to happen. Also, like... I can't really emphasize enough that at 16 is, like, (laughs) when my family was, like, spinning out of control. Like, my parents got sober for, for, like, just so you understand, my parents got sober when I was, like, 18. My mom this summer before I went to college and then my dad, like, within six or seven months after that. So my freshman year of college, my parents were sober, essentially, or, like, were getting sober my freshman year of college. So when I was 16... You know, things had uh, gotten out of control, if you will. My parents were, like, breaking up all the time, getting back together. It was a fucking nightmare. So, one, like, I I really don't think that I would have, like, I think even at that point I would, like, understand that a baby could not come into her our home. And I know on these shows sometimes it's like the more unstable the family is, it's the more likely they are to have the child, right? But in my situation, no. No, no, no. I I don't know. I always knew that like if I got pregnant young, there would be an abortion. I wouldn't have a child. I mean, I guess that's easy for me to say because I didn't ever get pregnant as a teen. I mean, realistically, I didn't have sex until my senior year of high school, like in like, the fall of my senior year of high school, so I actually couldn't have gotten pregnant at 16. (laughs) But even if I did get pregnant, let's say I got pregnant when I was 17, when I started having sex, that kid's parents would have died if he had gotten a girl pregnant. Oh, my God. They were (laughs) the fucking worst. They were, like, very conservative Jews. They were so hypocritical and so judgmental and just, ugh, I could not stand them. And they would have been so upset if he had gotten someone pregnant and was expected to parent. So that wouldn't have really worked. Um, And as far as, like, having a reality show, no. Uh, The idea of, like, being on a reality show seemed so far from my life. I don't think anybody at my school that got pregnant would have been like, and now I'm going to be on Teen Mom. Well, first of all, Teen Mom didn't come out. Like, 16 Pregnant premiered when I was... <sighs> I remember watching the early episodes of season one in my ex-boyfriend's parents' basement, and I was... that I had to have been at least 21 at that point, maybe 22. So I was already, you know, like, well out of high school by that time. So there wasn't really, like... No teen getting pregnant at that point was like, cool, I'll get on TV. But, like, you bring up Macy's parents because the reason that Macy's found out about the show Sixteen Pregnant is that her mom was Googling modeling job for teen mothers. (laughs) I swear to God. And saw the casting call. So that was so far from my life. I've never been a model. (laughs) No one was ever trying to make me a model. Um... The idea of being on TV was just not something that seemed at any way possible or like it would be something that happened. I do remember, like, you remember the show Made? They filmed a bunch of episodes at the the high school in the mainland for my beach. So I definitely talked about this not that long ago. I'm having major deja vu. So I, like, understood that it would be possible, I guess, to get on a show like that. But by the time I was 16, I think I was very uninterested in the idea of that. I just, that's never been the type, I've never had dreams of, like, being famous. The reality is, is honestly, sometimes this podcast is too big, in my opinion, and this is not a very, like, this is not an extremely successful podcast. I mean, it's fine, right? Like, it does fine, but this, I don't get that many listens, and even that sometimes is a little too much with the way that people, um like, come at me. Like, I, I don't have the the thick enough skin to be famous. I think I've always known that and I've never, I think you either see yourself as someone that would be on TV or you don't, if that makes sense. I feel like there are people that just like kind of know like that's what they want to do. They would be great on it. They're interested in it. Or people that like would never imagine doing that. And I think I definitely fall into like never imagine being on reality TV. I've never wanted that type, of attention, I guess, or better, for lack of a better word. Okay, so that's a good question. That's really interesting. I'm honestly, I never thought about that. But I wouldn't have had a baby if I got pregnant at 16, and even if I did keep the baby, I never would have went on reality TV. My parents would never like allow that to happen either, and they wouldn't be on reality TV. No. <laughs> okay, so next question, Kaylee Barnhart says, "Why do you think Javi and Joe still allow their kids to be around Chris?" That's a good question. Um, That's a really good question. Chris, according to Kale, is very violent. And we're to believe that he's been violent around his kids, if not all of the kids. I don't know. I think that, um, one, I think that Kale is a lot more likable in person. I've always thought that. The audience hates Kale so much. So, 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 so much. But the people in her life seem to like her, right? Like, they, for the most part, seem to like her. So one, I think that um, they trust Kale a lot more than we do. Two, I think that maybe there's never been violence in front of the kids. Like, either Isaac or Lincoln. Because, I mean, as far as we know, there has been, at least in front of Lux. I also think that, like, the reality is, it's like, it would be hard to say that, like, Chris isn't allowed around around the kids, right? Like, they would have to go for full custody or, like, a serious modification in their custody order, and I think that they just don't want that drama. I think, for the most part, they're probably happy with the way the co-parenting or their living arrangements are and just, like, don't really want to poke the bear. But, yeah, I've thought about that, and I've seen a lot of people be like, Joe's definitely going to go for full custody, but I just don't think... That to be the case, honestly. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe they don't know the full extent of what goes on with them. I, it's a good question, though. Okay, uh, like shrimp fried rice says, curious. Oh, should I get Chinese food for dinner tonight? I haven't had Chinese food in forever. Okay, she says, curious about who you think is the most likely to leave the show next. I did see something the the other day that I guess Macy is thinking about leaving the show. I don't know. I still don't really understand why Macy would leave the show. I don't know who would leave the show next, honestly. I really feel like the ones that would actively leave it have already left. But I guess the answer is Macy. I guess. I, I really don't think Macy's going to leave the show because, like, what's she going to do for work? <laughs> I, I don't think they can live off that Things That Matter brand. Okay, um... Name, name. I don't know how. I'm sorry. I do not know how to pronounce this. It says Rider's new nail line. LOL. Yeah. Um. Cheyenne. Okay. Part of me, you know, the amount of photo shoot Cheyenne does is unhinged. It is insane. Whenever though I see these, I do remind myself that like this is literally Cheyenne's job to take fo- to take professional pictures. Because she's not a model, but she's an Instagram influencer. And having beautiful photos on your grid is very important when you're an Instagram influencer. I think the type that she is especially, I would say that some influencers would like never really have professional pictures the way that Shy does because it doesn't go with their brand. But I think that's very much Cheyenne's brand. Um, Why they need a nail polish line that uses Ryder as the main character, the main face of it. I don't quite understand. Um, I don't think children, for the most part, should be involved in that. Honestly, like, I don't think it should be anywhere in the entertainment industry. But I guess they figure, like, she's already on TV. Ryder is extremely cute and photogenic. So I guess they feel like they should just take every opportunity while they can. They also, remember, they, like, live in L.A. Um, I think Cheyenne hangs around with, like, a lot of wannabe actors because I think a lot of people who go on to, like, the MTV Challenge type of shows are people that want to be famous and they want to be actors. So I think those are like the type of people that Cheyenne is around and hanging out with. So it's a lot more normal to have a child like be trying to make it in the business, if you will, than it is for me in my life in suburban Philadelphia, where it would be like very unusual for a child to be an actor. <laughs> I did have a couple of friends growing up that did like child modeling, but I think it was always like the biggest one that, my friend Jillian, like, her biggest thing was she got, like, a Barbie box. um, And even that, like, her mom dyed her hair when she was really young. <laughs> even that, at like, when we became friends at, like, 13, I'm like, your hair's really blonde there. And she's like, yeah, my mom is dyeing my hair. I'm like, oh. I just, I don't love the idea of kids working, I guess. I, I can understand why Cheyenne feels like she should capitalize on this. And I also think that Cheyenne has a warped point of view because of her profession and because I think... Almost everyone she hangs around with is, like, in the business somehow, and so it's probably very normalized, but to me, I just, I don't love it. I will say, though, at least, like, out of all things, it is age-appropriate. It's like a kid's uh, nail polish line. It's not, like, Sophia's boutique where Farrah pretended like she was running the boutique and was, like, in charge of hiring and firing employees. (laughs) Like, being the face of, like, a kid's nail polish line, I guess all things considered. At least that's, like, an age-appropriate product that they're chilling. But I just, I don't love it. I really don't love it. I don't, it's, like, it's a no for me, you know? It's, like, that doesn't need to happen. It really doesn't. By the way, our Kyle is pregnant again, which I think is really nice. I think it's so nice how cute Ryder and Boz are in age, like, how cute they are, how close they are in age. They seem to be together all the time. I think they all live together, but they're super, super close, so I think it's really nice that, uh, Kyle's gonna have another baby like within six or seven months of little ace being born, which I think she's doing May. She's probably having that baby soon. Um, I think that's really great. As somebody that was close to her cousins, I think it's nice when cousins are all close in age. Okay, Momo says, Do you think Jade saw herself on TV flipping out and now she'll just stop filming when she flips out? That's a really good point because in this episode she says to MTV at the end, she's like, You have to leave. I can't deal with this. I'm about to freak out. Like, I don't want you to be here. And I think Yes, to an extent. I'm not sure Jade has complete control over that. Like emotionally, I'm not sure she, I think Jade can get so heated so quickly. Like it's almost like a disassociation when that happens to you, right? Where you just like a light switch flips and you just like go into rage mode. I think that happens with Jade. But I do think that she's trying to be more aware of it. And I honestly, though, I think in the end, it probably is a good idea for her to ask MTV to step out then because it's, it's fucking annoying when you're already in a highly stressful situation. And then the producer's like, so what do you think about like Sean being here to help? Like, it's probably fucking annoying. So yeah, I think that she saw herself on TV and one doesn't want to be seen having meltdowns again, but also I think is aware that like, the camera being there contributes to the meltdown. Okay, what the Nicole says, which mom has the most exhausting, repetitive ex-boyfriend bounce back? I'm assuming repetitive, like that means on and off again. Yeah, I would guess that that's what that means. Um, I mean, Ashley and Barr, for, at least for current couples. At one point, it was definitely Janelle and Kiefer and Chris and Kale, for sure. I mean, they've been doing this for like fucking five or six years at this point. God, those two are awful. So, yeah, those people. Okay, Mad Palm says, do you miss Chelsea? No, I don't. Um, I don't, I'm not glad that Chelsea isn't on the show when I'm watching this, right? Like, I'm not like, oh, thank God I don't have to watch a Chelsea scene again. It's not that, but I don't even think about Chelsea when I watch these episodes. And this show is really fucking boring. So, I feel like if this show is this boring, then I'm not like, and I'm also not like, they should bring back Chelsea because the show is so unwatchable now, that speaks to how little I cared for Chelsea on this show. So no, I, I really, truly do not miss her. I don't think I thought about her at all while watching this last episode. Um, this person, Case Adilla said, <laughs> that's funny, says, to be honest, blows my mind Macy's still even on the show and considering continuing. Yeah, I I get that to an extent. I think that if we, like, look at Macy in a vacuum, right, like, and we don't think about the context of her entire life being on television, that it is crazy because she is for the most part pretty calm, mild-mannered, no drama, like she does not live the life of a reality TV person and I don't think she necessarily enjoys being a famous reality TV person. I mean, she doesn't really use social media, she's not really capitalizing on this beyond like the clickbait stuff. I think she, all things considered, like isn't interested in being like a teen mom star But I think what's important to remember is that she's been doing this, one, since she was 16 years old, and two, like, this is how she makes a living, and the amount of money that she makes for the amount of work that she does is impossible to beat, and I think that we, you know, I always talk about this, right? Like, it's the fast cash. It's why people who are servers will have a really hard time getting, like, a retail job or a nine-to-five, because... When you wait tables, you can make a lot of fucking money in a really short amount of time. Now it's hard work waiting tables, but you kind of get addicted to that, like, or used to, like, making money in that way, and it can be hard to transition out of waiting tables. Um, Like, drug dealers, people that do, like, sex work, honestly, like, podcasters, if they have a successful podcast, the amount of work that I do for my Patreon versus the amount of money that I make is, it's ridiculous, right? Like, it is insane how little work I have to do to make like a decent amount of money on there. And I'm not even that big. I haven't hit a thousand patrons yet. And there are people on there with 5, 10, 15,000 patrons at $5 a month for them to do like a couple hours of work a week. And I think that's what it is with Macy. It's like, it's really hard. What's she going to do? There's nothing she could do that she can make as much money with still allowing her to, like, live such a flexible and easy life. Like, she gets to be a full-time mom, essentially. So, I think that is the main thing to consider. And also remembering that, like, she's been doing this for almost, for, like, a majority of her life at this point, right? She's been on TV since she was 16, and she's in her early 30s now, I believe. So, for us, I think, who make a normal amount of money doing normal jobs and are have not been on television our whole lives, it's incomprehensible. But I think if you're actually in Macy's position, it makes sense. Um, okay, so Shelby Thomas says, do you think Leah's segments are genuine or a PSA set up by MTV? I think a PSA set up by MTV. I don't think she has anything going on in her life, so they're really producing her scenes. Oh, I love this. Libby G13 says, which team moms have service? Services like housekeepers, cleaners, laundry services, etc. And then she sure, obviously not Leah. <laughs> I love the idea of this. So Kale definitely has a lot of um like domestic help. Like I would bet she has cleaners come in twice a week. She has the live in nanny, etc. Um, I think Brie probably does not. Leah probably does not. Chelsea definitely has cleaners. I would bet Macy has cleaners. I honestly, as somebody that grew up with uh, cleaners that came twice a week. Like, if I had the money, I would absolutely be doing that. Like, I can't imagine not doing that if I had the money. Cleaning sucks. I don't like to clean. I mean, I do clean, but I don't like it. So if I made the amount of money that the team moms make, you better believe I have someone coming to my home twice a week to clean. Um, I would bet a lot of them use cleaners. Yeah. Amber, mm, Amber probably doesn't let people, uh, no, she did have a housekeeper because I remember there was drama with her. Like she reported Amber for smoking pot or something. I can't remember. Amber did have a housekeeper. I bet most of them. I mean, these women are rich, right? Like one of the first things you do when you get money is you start um, paying for things that you don't want to do anymore. (laughs) And most people don't want to clean. That, yeah, that I would guess. And I would guess a lot of them, a lot more of them have child care help than we know. They probably just don't come over when MTV is there. Okay, Grace Allison says, is Leah the new Chelsea or at least is MTV going for that angle? Yes, to an extent, yes. Um, I think that they want us to relate most to Leah like we did with Chelsea. But I think in actuality, like Leah's never going to be as popular as Chelsea. She's just not. I think that, um... Like the bounce back that Chelsea had. Like what it is is that Chelsea's low was never that low. So people never really hated her. And then we saw her like she lost all this weight. She got better hair. She got better clothes. She finds this guy. She has this beautiful family. She's so happy. I think that like people fucking love. I think Leah's low was very low, first of all. Um, I also think that Leah doesn't have that like upper middle class thing that Chelsea has that people aspire to. Also, unfairly or not, like, Leah isn't married and in a relationship and popping out cute little babies in the way that Chelsea is. I think Chelsea, the fact that, I think people really love the fact that Chelsea is living a very traditional heterosexual life, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, she had Aubrey and, like, fucked around with Adam, whatever, but then she met Cole, they get married, they have babies. Like, I think people really like that, and I don't think Leah just, like, has that going for her. Which I just think speaks a lot to, like, who watches this show. And I also just don't think Leah's life is aspirational in any way. I don't. I think people are glad that Leah is doing so much better. By the way, I forgot to mention this. Leah absolutely told a lie in this episode. I don't know if anybody else caught this, but she's talking to Victoria and she says... Um, you know, I'm really scared to get surgery because the last time I had surgery, they gave me, uh, they gave me, they gave me pills that I got hooked on. She fucking stuttered over that because she's telling a lie. I'm sorry, I will never believe that she didn't become a drug addict until that op botched epidural with Addie. I think that that's what sent her down like the really dark spiral. But I'm convinced that that girl has been using drugs for a long fucking time or had been. If you rewatch episodes in season one, she's off her skull and I refuse to believe anything else. And she stutters over it talking to Victoria because she probably knows that Victoria knows that that's not true. <laughs> um, but yeah, Leah, I think people are really glad for Leah. I think people find Leah, um, I think they like root for Leah You know, I think people are like, oh, my God, I'm so happy for her. She's turned it around so much. She's such a great mom. But she's not aspirational in the way that Chelsea is. I don't think anybody watches Leah's segments and is like, I want to be like Leah. Right? Because, like, nothing about her life is that great. Her life is good, but nothing about it is, like, that great. Where Chelsea, I think a lot of the viewers watch it and are like, I want Chelsea's life. I want to have a great husband. I want to have a bunch of kids. I want to live in a big, beautiful home. Like, I think they want the things that Chelsea has and they don't feel that way with Leah. So they never really can be the same. Okay, uh, maybe MB says, this is the most dysfunctional Jade has ever looked. Real what Kale could have been vibe. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that Jade is a real peek into what Kale's life would look like if she didn't get on the show and start Teen Mom 2 when she was 18 years old. Okay, whoops, going the wrong way. Shelby Thomas says, do you, oh, no, wait, I just read those, sorry. I'm always bad at taking pictures or, like, screenshots of these. Okay, uh, Kate Fonder says, watching another season of Teen Mom, thinking about how much better Young and Pregnant would be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hard same, girl. Hard fucking same. Uh, Give us Young and Pregnant, please please. Okay, Louise K says, do you think Brianna shouldn't tell Stella about Lewis? Was she was so emotional listening to Stella? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know that. I hear what you're saying. But I also think like the reality is, is that like Lewis is her dad, you know, and she does see him every once in a while. I don't really have an answer to this. I don't know what Brie should be doing. I don't necessarily think what Brie is doing is right. But also at the same time, like, She really thought Lewis was going to show up there, so, like, she needs to, like, prepare Stella for that. I don't think it'd be good to have Lewis just, like, popping up on Stella while they're at the jumpy place, right? Like, I think it's – and that's where, like, it just sucks that Lewis is such an asshole and such a flake is that it is really sad that Lewis then didn't show up and poor little Stella, like, thought she was going to see her dad. But at the same time, like, he can't just pop up on her, so I don't know. I mean, I think that Lewis should just stop coming around, and that also speaks. Um, somebody sent me a message saying, "I think Brenda doesn't get mad at Lewis for not showing up because they still hook up. If she gets on Lewis' case like she does with Devon, Devon, excuse me, then Lewis won't have sex with her." Um, I don't think so. I personally don't think so. I see that sentiment a lot. I I don't think that's really the way Brie moves. Um, I think yeah, they did hook up like that couple of times last year. But I think that Brie usually will like have a boyfriend off camera. Um, I don't, she doesn't see Lewis. So, like, I don't really know or understand how, like, the idea can be that she doesn't get on Lewis's case because they still hook up. And if she gets on his case, he won't come around. But, like, he doesn't come around. Brie can't remember the last time she even talked to Lewis before she, like, is texting with him in this episode. I don't, I don't think they hook up, honestly. I mean, maybe everyone's in a blue moon, but I don't think that's why she doesn't get on his case. I think she doesn't get on his case because he's not around to get on his case. I think that if Lewis was in and out of the picture as much as Devoin was... Or there as much as Devoin was, it would be the same. I think Bree has just like completely and utterly given up on Lewis and caring about Lewis and like expecting Lewis to do anything. So she just doesn't get mad at him about it, which isn't fair. But I think that's what's happening, right? Like I just think also Lewis has given her significantly more more money like throughout Saul's life than Devoin has given throughout Nova's life, even though Nova is double the age of Stella. Like, Lewis has given her a lot of, not a lot of money, but he's at least paid child support for, like, periods of time in a way that Devoin has never. And I think that, um, that's what Brie cares about a lot more than somebody actually being physically present. I think she just wants financial help with them because I think she kind of has, like, accepted emotional help isn't going to be there. I don't know. I think that Devoin is one of, first of all, I think that they care about Devoin in a way that they don't care about Lewis. As I've always said, they like care about devoin like he's their bum ass cousin right like i think they want him to do better i think they want him to be there i think that they will get their hopes up with him and then when he falls they get so mad about it i just don't think that Bree actually like i think that she just has so the bar is so low for lewis that she doesn't get mad and that the bar is a little higher for devoin and that's why she gets mad at him all right, I think that's it for all of the questions that I had. Let me just check. Oh, there's one more. Jenna Girl says, which teen mom Reddit, which teen mom would you want to do a Reddit ask me anything? None. I would want producers to come on and actually be truthful about it. <laughs> I don't really care to hear from any of the teen moms because I think they're all going to lie and I care more about the behind the scenes stuff. But I mean, if I could like make someone have a truth serum and then I could ask them questions, I think it would actually be Amber because I think she would have some interesting shit to say. All right, guys, that's it for me. If you want to hear more, find me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. And I will talk to you again next week, hopefully with a better episode of Team Mom 2. If it's not better, then, you know, we'll reassess and figure some shit out for feathers in my hair. Uh, I don't mean that in, like, feathers in my hair is going away, but, I don't know, throwback episodes, I guess. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right have a good week. Love you. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.